Hey, chiropractors and marketers. We are ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show, where I try to bring you some valuable information each week to try to grow your practice, implement some good marketing, business strategies, and just overall personal development. This episode is actually going to be a recording from the video interview I did with Dr. Jeffrey Langmaid of the Evidence-Based Chiropractor. As many of you know, we are working on a free virtual marketing summit, and he is one of the 12 presenters that we have interviewed, and I'm going to kind of drip out only two of the 12 over the next uh, month leading up to the end of the March kind of release of the virtual marketing summit. Uh, we had a really good video interview, a really good conversation. And so I really wanted to get this one out to you and dive into some of the MD marketing that can really be implemented right away. And he kind of goes through some of the workflows and processes and some of the great strategies to make it a reality and how you can uh, honestly grow your practice in a way that's sustainable, uh, scalable, and then at a certain point, maybe even sellable if you want to uh, do that down the road as far as an exit strategy. I really highly believe in certain marketing strategies that aren't necessarily only personality driven, you know, things that can be done by you, by your associates, if you decide to sell the practice, the the new owner could continue, things like that. Not that anything that we're discussing today can't be achieved by someone that's not looking to scale or not looking to sell, but it's just something that we did dive into. So uh, I'm bringing you this video interview. I'll bring one more before we launch the Virtual Marketing Summit. I'm really excited about that summit. I will be on some upcoming episodes giving you some more of the details. I'm kind of finalizing some of the preparation for that. I've only got a couple more interviews I have to do working on some of the landing pages of it and stuff to where you can register and sign up for it. Uh, and, and it's just exciting. I got a lot of good feedback from some of the guests that we've had so far that I've interviewed. And really what I'm trying to do for you as the audience is be able to watch these 12 that I do. And, you know, whether you take notes or not, but actually just try to build a marketing strategy from these interviews. If you really pay attention to them and you really take some of the advice, you'd have a, a fully involved strategy to, to grow your practice. And I think we're achieving that uh, with the interviews we're doing. So uh, without further ado, this is an interview that I did with Dr. Jeffrey Langmate of the Evidence-Based Chiropractor. I know you'll look forward to my next week's episode. So I really appreciate everybody that's been listening. I'm getting a lot of great feedback and I'm just uh, really excited about the, the growth of this podcast. So have a great week in practice. I'll talk to you next Thursday and we'll go from there. All right. Welcome to the Virtual Marketing Summit. This is Dr. Kevin Christie. I'm very fortunate enough to have another opportunity to speak with Dr. Jeffrey Langmaid of the evidence-based chiropractor. Uh, he's been on the podcast before and we've talked a lot and we've met in person and had some really good talks on on everything chiropractic, marketing, 
evidence, research, all the good stuff that can really help you grow a practice. And so today he's going to really dive in uh, deep into uh, how to build your practice through MD marketing and some of the other ancillary healthcare providers out there that are looking for what we do because they know there's a hole in their uh, healthcare offerings. And and, and if you educate them properly, they'll know that you can fill that for them. So uh, without further ado, before we dive into some of the uh, meat and potatoes of it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, both uh, professionally and personally, Jeff. Yeah, right on. Thanks for having me. Pumped to be on. And uh, hopefully we'll go through some information that docs can get some great use out of. My goal is like tomorrow, literally. So yes. um, so for me, uh, my name is Jeff Langmaid, uh, chiropractor. I live in Tampa, Florida. Uh, I graduated from Palmer College of Chiropractic a little over a decade ago now. And I practice in just about every fashion that you can within being a chiropractor. I was obviously a student. I was an associate. I was a clinic owner. I worked in a regional hospital-based multidisciplinary group and then for one of the largest outpatient spine surgery companies in the world as well. And I like to write, put content out there, shoot videos, and all that goes through the evidence-based chiropractor and the smart chiropractor. And I play music for fun, have a wife and a child, and like to hang out and try to stay active. And I'm super into business, entrepreneurship, and uh, natural conservative healthcare. And you're traveling a lot, man. It's always fun seeing where you're going. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely. Yeah, the yeah. last like the last year, I've been very, very fortunate to travel to not only go just as a you know just go to cool stuff, but then secondarily opportunities to speak have come about, and mm-hmm. it's always fun to get out there and travel. Is one of the things like probably three to four years ago, I kind of set the vision for what I wanted to do. And being a speaker across the country was one of them. And like, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I kind of set that marker down. And as time has gone on, a lot of opportunities have come up and I'm grateful for every one of them. Yeah. One of the things that frustrates me the most about chiropractors is when they tell me they haven't taken a vacation or a trip in three years and it's like, all right, we're doing something wrong here. You really should be able to build your practice and your business around the ability to travel. Now, it doesn't have to be as much as you are much as I know I have 12 trips this year and a lot of them are business related, but a lot of times I piggyback enjoyment on that. But I do take extensive vacations as well. And I think if you develop a really good marketing strategy for your practice, it'll, it'll allow you to, to take some more times off. So it's definitely something to, to consider. Yeah, you got, everybody's got to get out there and recharge the batteries, not only from a physical capacity, like being mm-hmm. a chiropractor is physical, obviously, but the secondary component is learning new things, seeing new stuff, experiencing new cultures and things, things that have nothing to do with essentially marketing or your practice will trickle back into how you can market your practice and just be happier overall when you're able to take those breaks. Even if it's just reading books, just, mm-hmm. just chilling. Sometimes the best opportunity is just to chill out if you're running like 100 miles an hour every day. But anyway, yeah, I couldn't agree more. No, definitely for sure. You know, one of the things you touched on earlier that I want to elaborate a little bit on before we dive into some of the the questions I have for you is that you mentioned you've practiced in a lot of different settings. And I know I have too. I've practiced inside of two orthopedic clinics. Uh, I've been inside of gyms. And and so I've seen the different, uh, and, and obviously I have clinics inside of corporations as well. One of the things that I'm excited about chiropractic wise, you know, we always talk about the good old days in the Mercedes eighties and all the money that was there, but I feel like chiropractors back then, maybe, you know, their, their insurance was paying better, but they were really pigeonholed into uh, a limited practice style of what they could do. What's exciting now, and it's really piggybacking on some of the work guys like you were doing with the evidence and with the research is it's getting us into 
opportunities and situations that as chiropractors before we couldn't get into. And so I wanted to, to really elaborate on that and also just thank you for being part of the spearhead of that. Oh, right on. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> I think, you know, the biggest thing with that, and, and obviously kudos back to you, because I know that, you know, the corporate space is really, you placed a big focus on sports at the highest level. We just were talking previously about the NFL and such, and certainly from a corporate standpoint as well. And those things are a little bit outside of my scope. But I think to your point, exactly that sort of thing where the pie has gotten a lot bigger. There's opportunities within large-scale orthopedic groups. There's opportunities on professional sports teams, D1 teams. Everybody that's serious about sports is going to have a chiropractor affixed to their program in some capacity, even serious high school programs. And then certainly from a corporate standpoint, there's a vast array of opportunity there. I could not agree more. It doesn't mean it's easy. But the opportunities are there that were definitely not there 20 years ago. 20, 30 years ago, you know, docs like, I mean, my great grandfather in the 20s, forget about it. But even, yeah. you know, docs that are in their 50s and 60s, let's say, that are a generation, like it was, you go out and 95% of people were in sole proprietorships and a small percentage were associates. Now there's a lot more combined clinics, mm -hmm. multi-clinic, multi-doctor roles with various capacities orthopedic groups, neurology groups, hospital groups, VA work, professional sports, you name it, the opportunities are there. Doesn't mean it's easy, mm -hmm. but they certainly are now at least present and accounted for. And to me, it's actually the start of it, not the end. So mm -hmm. it's like, while it seems like, oh, well, everybody, you know, NFL teams already have their people. Yeah, they do. But you know what the great thing is? Every year they have new athletes coming in. And yeah. as we kind of talked about as well, if you start talking with them and getting with them in high school and college, they're going to be loyal to you. And then the opportunities open up as time goes on. Absolutely. And I think it's just if you really prepare yourself for those opportunities and have the knowledge base to be able to communicate with the medical model or the athletic trainers, all those different type of entities that are there, the physical therapists, then you can actually show yourself as a team player, you know what you're talking about, and you can lend a hand in a lot of these different types of environments. I couldn't agree more. And to me, the really interesting thing about it is what I have found for me, it's my personal experience, what I have found for me is that contrary to doing, doing more, that doesn't mean don't get special certifications. That doesn't mean go, like, go above and beyond. That's what we all should do as professionals. But what I have found is that when I've talked to orthopedics, when I talk to neurosurgeons, they like, like the chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> like, they you know do. what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. you're, like even osteopaths that like play with it from time to time, the guys that I'm friends with are like, no, you, you've got it down. Like, yeah. you know, I, you know, so there's a, legit respect for that, but you absolutely need to know how to have those conversations. And mostly, I think a lot of it just comes down to confidence as well. And it's like, you're getting outside your comfort zone. You might be comfortable talking to your patients in your clinic where you can control the message. But when you start getting out with other people, sometimes that can be intimidating. There can be a little bit of fear and a little bit of a lack of confidence that I think is not talked about enough. But the bottom line is what I have found is that chiropractors know a lot. And especially the chiropractors specifically that have been involved in the sports world, mm -hmm. I find tend to be just have that little edge on the anatomy, on the physiology and, and everything like that. So I, again, I think I couldn't agree with you more. Massive opportunity doesn't mean it's easy, but you have to be able to speak the same language and not be siloed. But that doesn't mean changing what you do.
Excellent. You know, and, and again, you touched on it as far as confidence and speaking and having those talks with those, those other doctors and those other professionals, you will get better at it, right? Like think about, I know you and I can have this same conversation about, think about how raw we were just with podcasting, right? Or with shooting a video like this, or I know you do a lot more of it than I do, but public speaking in front of large groups of chiropractors, like think about how much better you are now versus then you put yourself into it, you dove into it and you've been doing it. So you've refined it. It's the same thing with these chiropractors, get into it and make it happen and you will get better and you'll communicate more effectively with these providers. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I got an even better example. Remember the first adjustment that not only you gave, but you got in chiropractic squad. Like, chances are it was not the most refined thing ever yeah. created. So, I, I, yeah, practice it, makes perfect. It does. It's so true. And it's definitely one of those things where you will get better at it. So, all right, perfect. Well, let's uh, put yourself in the shoes of a chiropractor that's either just starting out, maybe they're starting out as an associate, but they definitely need to bring in some patients, or maybe they just started their practice. Or frankly, maybe they're an established doctor like you and I, but they're looking to really put together a nice marketing strategy uh, for their clinic. Uh, where would you start with, with that particular doctor? For me, it'd be all about building a brand. So I think that that's what it comes down to. I mean, in the most simplistic fashion, my answer is build a brand. Now there's different strategies and tactics that you can go through to execute that. Some of that can be socially driven with Instagram, with Facebook, with LinkedIn, et cetera. Some of that can be building your brand locally with other healthcare providers, as in speaking with orthopedics, neurologists, et cetera, and planting your flag that way. And certainly it carries over to B to C as well in terms of being able to communicate with the people in your community as to who the heck you are, what you do, and why they should even you know, give a rat's you know what, that you kind of hang the shingle outside. So to me, building the brand is absolutely paramount. And the, I, the exciting thing about it is depending upon the chiropractor and depending upon their interests, and we can go down the rabbit holes on them, but depending upon their interests, there's multiple ways to do that. But here's what is not building a brand, putting out a generic website and running newspaper ads like that, That's not building a brand. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's not that the, those are imperative. Putting out a website is imperative and absolutely getting your name out in the community is imperative. But there is a drastic difference between building your brand and kind of doing, you know, old school formalized marketing. Branding should, you know, there's a difference between branding and sales. Yep. Your sales are what's driving the leads into your practice, driving patients ultimately to come see you. But the branding is who you are and what you stand for that leads to the sales. Mm-hmm. It's more work. It's not a conversion game, true and true, yep. but it is what plays out over time where then, as we kind of touched on at the top, now you have a brand behind what you do and you have the ability to take a vacation every now and again. Yeah. No, so. yeah, exactly. Um, I was having that talk about, you know, some of the older docs that are uh, afraid of social media and they don't want to get into it. And I was like, well, if you've built your practice over the long haul on your personality or your hard work, like physically, that's not a very sellable or scalable business. And you got to really have some of these modern marketing strategies to build a scalable and sellable practice and one that you can step away from. And it's kind of a self-managing practice and a marketing strategy is obviously a key component of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. I think in terms of in terms of being able to build a sellable entity on the end, and, and this is kind of just something I've talked about lately, but it's like, 
I would, I would rather purchase a practice that has a 250 person email list that they communicate with weekly that has a 30% open rate and an 8% click through rate than somebody who's selling 10,000 patient files that are like, like, you know I mean? Half of them are like, you know, gone from planet earth, half of them, you know, move. So it's like, you know, it's about attention and it's about brand building and it's about how you've been in communication with your audience because there's the audience, you know, there's your brand and then that's communicated to your audience and those people become your patients. So I don't buy the bottom of the funnel. I want, you know, if I'm going to buy a practice or sell a practice for profit, the higher you go up, you have a huge brand that's ubiquitous in your community. You have maximum value. You have consequently a big audience. You're still doing pretty darn well. Mm -hmm. They go hand in hand. But then if you only have what's left of what you've done in the past, it just doesn't hold as much weight as the other two. Absolutely. Perfect. So um, let's segue a little bit into, um, you know, what was one aspect over the years within, say, the MD or the primary care marketing, that type of networking and, and relationship building has been the most successful for you or for some of the chiropractors that you're working with? Yeah, I, communicating with a patient-centric model through research. So that sounds super boring and super geeked out. So I, I think there's three, three parts of that. There's three legs of that stool. One is utilizing case notes at a high level to tell the story of patients getting well in your practice, the social proof that you exist, all of that fun stuff. Takes place through a case note. Case notes do not flood your practice practice with new patients. But what they do is they lay a solid foundation. And and the secondary component there is being able to reach out and have conversations, meetings with other physicians, and having a plan with that. All three of these we can dive into, but having a plan with that. There's way too many docs out there that have met with a doc, and basically what it was was they went over and pitched for 30 minutes and are surprised that nothing happened on the back end. Mm-hmm. Did you show them value? Did you show how you make things easier or better for them? Do you know why you're not their first choice currently? You can't just go in blindly, but that's what almost everybody does. And then the third leg of the stool ultimately is, in my opinion, monthly research to that doc. Mm-hmm. When you don't have the case notes from, because that's just the natural ebb and flow of patients, yep. you're still going to get that monthly touch. You're not going to meet them every month. Mm-hmm. But you're still going to get that monthly touch in a professional fashion that is true B2B marketing, not B2C. Mm -hmm. B2C, you can do different things, whereas B2B, you're not going to send an MD a coupon to come over for a discounted visit, right? So it's about, well, then what do you do? Well, one of the best ways you can communicate with them is to add value to them in their day while showcasing and planning your flag as a local leader in conservative care. No better way to do that. And that's one of the things I like about your program is that as chiropractors and as small business owners, we're very uh, used to B2C marketing, like you mentioned, where business to consumer and you're just used to that direct kind of interaction where as we we struggle um, a lot of times is that B2B and how you market differently to another business. Because obviously another provider, a medical doctor is another business. And so it's definitely a different uh, strategy. And I'm glad you, you brought that up. Yeah, thank you. So, um, one thing that I did early on, and I wanted to get your take on it, um, was that I actually asked and I had the opportunity to sit in on a few different surgeries by that surgeon. They let me scrub in. I was like, you know, I, I went to it like humbly and I was like, I really want to learn how you do this. I want to see some of the anatomy and what, you know, the thought process of it. And they're actually very open to it. I did have a little bit of a relationship with the three doctors that I did that with, but it was still early on in that relationship. And that really, I felt propelled me in their eyes as far as someone that they would maybe refer to more so. 
I think that is an awesome idea. I think that, you know, if you look at the, um, you know, the progress of building a relationship, you're in like the 99.9th percentile by doing that. Yeah. So, good work. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I think a couple different things of it. One is that I really got into this show like called The, the Nick, which is about Knickerbocker yeah. Hospital. So when it was surgical theater, right? A hundred years ago, it was like everybody's in a theater, everybody's watching the surgeon. They're like hoping for the best and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to say it's the same thing that goes on today, but the bottom line is these guys have egos and they like to show what they do. So there's a certain aspect of their personality. If you've gone that far in on being a surgeon, you know, that is going to relish in the fact that somebody else wants to watch you do your art, right? Mm -hmm. Watch you command the theater, so to speak. So uh, in shadowing, yeah, so there's a little bit of ego feed for them, which is good. That's what you want, right? You're, you know, where's the trade-off on that, right? Is, yep. you know, so it's feeding them a little bit and making them feel important and, and you want to learn about them, which is always paramount in relationship building, putting the other person first and asking how you can assist them. But anytime you have the ability to shadow as you did, it does a couple of different things. Number one is it's going to give you drastic, and you can attest this, it's going to give you drastically more insight into actually what the heck's going on. And when people are using terms, laminotomy, laminectomy, when they're using you know, terms as far as X-lift, T-lift, D-lift, what do those mean? Now, you might not get command knowledge in one sitting, but it's going to give you a real good insight into the start of it. The other thing that's going to do from a selfish perspective as, as a practitioner going in, now you've seen behind the curtain. So now when a patient comes into you and is asking tough questions or might be going down that road, you can speak a little bit more intelligently about it mm-hmm. and direct them in the best way possible in a realistic capacity, not a fear-mongering capacity. And then the third component of that is you just get one-to-one time with the doc. So when you're out there and able to you know, kind of just, you know, hey, what's going on? Just those little interactions, like mm-hmm. it's not about necessarily quantity it's about quality and if you're in their wheelhouse time and engaged in that Mm -hmm. then that's something that's very memorable for them and chances are very few if any chiropractors have done so before so now you start doing anything outside of that and you've like planted the flag to no end so Mm -hmm. it gives you just such a leg up on the competition and one of the questions I was going to ask you, and I think it's a good time to do it because you brought up about, you know, not have, it's not about necessarily how many MDs do you have referring to you, but sometimes it's the quality of those relationships. As far as some pitfalls that you see with chiropractors trying to market it, is that one of them where they think they need to have like 50 uh, medical doctors referring to them and they're kind of a, what is it, an inch deep and a mile wide type yeah. of situation? Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes that just results in inaction, right? So sometimes, you know, let me put it this way. I have not, so I've been doing this for years. I've never had a single doc come to me like, I have 49 ridiculous relationships, but I'm killing myself at number 50. Like normally it's like exactly as you kind of said, where it is, there's no depth. So it's like, I need to have like 50 relationships and this seems kind of hard. I'm going to put it off till tomorrow. You know what I mean? I'll put it off till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times that's what occurs, but yeah, I mean, you, I mean, just do the math, right? I mean, these guys, a primary care doctor, 30% of their daily volume is related to spine or musculoskeletal complaints. 90% of that minimum is relative and relevant for referral to a chiropractic office. So if they're seeing 50 patients a day, I'm not that great at math. You know, they're seeing 15, 20 people, whatever it may be per day that they're already doing something with. But they're probably doing medications, physical therapy, or referral to another specialist, not you, right? So now you break that down and say, they're not going to give you the whole pie. Yeah, they're not. But if they can give you one or two of those, one or two a day would be 
five to 10 referrals in a week from one guy, that still would be at the extremely high end. But exactly as you said, if you just get maybe one here, two here from a half a dozen different docs, that adds to your bottom line at the end of the, at the, end of the month. And the other thing about it is that a lot of times there's compounding interest with these. I love Facebook ads, but it's an ad. You turn it off, it's gone forever. You build a relationship, there's compounding interest. So when somebody comes in, now you show the case note. Now you have a better opportunity to shadow if you haven't. Now you have a better opportunity to send the reeval note showing that they're actually doing well. So every patient that comes in, it's just compounding interest down the road, which there's nothing like that in any other marketing realm. Very, it, it's relationship marketing tried and true. It is. And when you, can dist- when you can establish a relationship with a person that then has access to a lot of people, it's so much easier than having to do you know, one-to-one-to-one-to-one relationships nonstop. And I've found that in multiple ways like for instance the sports trainer that sends me all the football players like that was one relationship that I established versus trying to establish different relationships with all these different players and it's just it creates a funnel of referrals to me and it's the same way with the MBs I've got a I've got about four that I can really rely on in my area that that send to me and sometimes I think this is what I've done and I and I know not everybody has access to NFL players but I've made these doctors part of my network with the football stuff. So it's kind of that reciprocity. They feel like, wow, you know, Kevin's working with these NFL players. Then obviously I builds a little bit of a um, confidence in myself for them, but also they know that I'm sending, like I sent uh, one of our players today to a foot and ankle specialist because fortunately there is a fracture, but again, that's a pretty high quality referral. So there's more likelihood for them to refer back. So my point of that is if, what is a really cool patient base you have access to that maybe you would get that same type of reciprocity in your community with some of the um, specialists? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it doesn't, as you kind of said, like, hey, if you have access to the, you know, the cream of the crop as you yeah. do, that's, that's awesome. But I, I think there are other ways to go about that as well for the docs out there that maybe haven't built up. Maybe they're just yeah. starting and they'd love to be exactly where you're sitting right now, but they're not there yet. You know, there's probably some CrossFit people in your community yeah. that are doing big things that have big, you know, personalities that they're big in the, in the community. Mm-hmm. There are probably local school board people, politicians, influencers in the community. Yeah. A, a person is a person. Don't get me wrong, but you yeah. are a hundred percent correct that when you can start to delve out a referral when appropriate to some of these providers, mm-hmm. and it's somebody of note, notable recognition, yeah. that obviously sticks out a little bit more than, than, than not, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a million ways to go about it. Everybody has local celebrities in their town, whether it's the newscaster, the, you know, the person at the CrossFit gym that has 50,000 followers on Instagram, whether it's the politician, you, know, you can go across the board and figure out what works for you, right? And from that point forward, then you can start to leverage that when appropriate. And yeah, it does absolutely bring reciprocity, one of the rules of influence, right? Sales, any time that you're able to give before you get and Mm -hmm. give kind of in abundance, that sounds very old school, but it gives the opportunity for the other person to take note of you and what you're doing. Yeah, and one of the other things I heard was a chiropractor that I know well is really... um, doing a lot of good things at a country club in his area. And so what he did was when he established that foothold in the country club as kind of the, the chiropractor for them, not necessarily paid, but he's at the go-to, 
he then went to other providers and said, I want to build his network because if I get a golfer to me and I notice they need an orthopedist, like I want someone I trust to send it to. So he kind of piggybacked that situation into establishing with other medical providers. And it was a win-win for, for everybody. Yeah. That's a great idea. I'm just, th- I'm thinking of this and this is going to sound a little bit off kilter, but it's like yeah. you get like the local golf pro, every dude that that guy then sees that's like 65 years old is going to get hurt the first week of the season. <laughs> you know what I mean? yes. So that will give you like the local golf pro, like yeah. as your patient that you've wooed in, however yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, that dude is going to be teaching a bunch of dudes that are completely out of shape, completely overweight every single quarter that are coming back in, trying to get back into it that are going to end up having low back issues and who they're going to talk to. Oh, what's it was with your swing, John? Oh, my back's killing me. Uh, good opportunity if that local golf pro is, is kind of a fan of what you do. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's kind of, uh, I've made some hay in that as well. So it's been, it's been good. So what would be a few strategies other than, I know you outlined the case notes and all that, but as far as the chiropractor trying to develop their small but effective and high quality network of providers, what would be some of the things they should do early on in putting that together? Yeah. So number one is build a list. So you got to know like who you're reaching out to. You can't be scattershot. Like you want to build efficiency and you want to build processes in because that's how you get good results on the back end that aren't just meandering or untrackable. So first, you build your list of who you want to reach out to, put it in an Excel spreadsheet, and make sure you can keep track of what the heck's going on. Secondarily, one of the best things you can do is make sure that you get that patient uh, gives you the primary care information when they come in. Because if you don't get that, then you just missed out on everything after it. So any one of those that's missed is a multiplied opportunity that is missed. So, you know, you miss your eval note, you miss your re-eval note, you miss the opportunity to, to have good data down the road as far as mm-hmm. who's referring in, who's not, if they haven't referred, are they even popular with my patient base or not? So build your list, absolutely number one. And then the secondary component is get, collect that primary care information on every patient that's coming in and just start getting the case notes out. Start getting those case notes out and keep them simple. The other time, sometimes chiropractors are, are concerned are like, oh, God, like, that sounds like a pain in the butt. Like, I'm already, I don't have time. I don't know. Like, but the great thing about case notes is the simpler the better. You know, patient name, data service, diagnosis, and treatment plan. Patient name, data service, diagnosis, and treatment plan. If you send them 10 pages, you might as well not send them at all because they're not going to read it. So keep it short, keep it brief, keep it to the point, get it out to those docs. That starts to showcase that you exist, which is super, super important. And then from there, just reach out and try to start setting up those meetings. And one, my tactical tip for that would be, here's how not to do it. Hey, this is Jeff over at Langmade Chiropractic. Uh, you know, it looks like you have a lot of people. I'd like to have more people. Can I come over there and uh, tell you everything about what we do during what would replicate a pharmaceutical lunch, but I don't want to bring the lunch. Yeah, not a good way to go about it. But many chiropractors do a version of that, even though they don't want to admit it. Because you just don't let, because it's like, well, what do I say? You know, and, and here would be some simple scripting. I'm not into magic scripting. I'm not into magic numbers. Take this and use it with your own integrity. Hey, this is Jeff over at Dr. Langmaid's office. We've co-managed quite a few patients with Dr. Christie, but we've never had the opportunity to meet. I'd love to come over to learn more about your practice. Who do I speak to in order to set up that meeting? So right there, you can see I touched on a few things. Co-management, I touched on learn more about your practice, and I touched on who do I speak to in order to set up that meeting because somebody controls the book and that forces that individual answer the phone to identify a person that they have to pass you off to. So that's a quick tip. 
to get better efficacy out of the meetings. But then please, and we go through this evidence-based cardboard course, but please yep. hold true in terms of when you get over there, ask questions about their practice. Like it's essential, it's crucial, and it's absolutely clutch to find out what they're doing to best position your practice. And that's one thing I, I'm assuming, and, I, and um, I've been through the program and everything like that, is I like how you work with us and that the workflow capacity, because you touched on it where some people can get a little bit tedious in their notes, or they may just have, a, unfortunately, a lack of staffing or just whatever the variables are, procrastination, all the fun stuff that we all suffer from. But Tell us a little bit about the evidence-based chiropractor. Do you go through some of the workflows of this to make it easy for the doctor to do that? Yeah, ultimately, we, we built it out to basically be a module-based program that takes the entire process from A to Z. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is there's videos on how do you, like as we touched on, right? How do you even start to build your list? We have videos, downloads, reports, guides, templates, all to make it easy. So how do you build your list? How do you verify that list? How do you start doing the case notes, some templates to be able to send those case notes in detail, all of the information regarding that. A meeting, how do you set it up? How do you call beforehand? How do you execute during and how do you execute post? And again, it's not about remembering all sorts of fancy scripting, but it's about actually having an understanding of the framework to have the conversations. And that's really what we do. And then, of course, the research component, as we touched upon, we deliver all the members you know, in a white-labeled form. So it means there's nothing that says the evidence-based chiropractor. It's your logo, your name, all of that stuff. Nothing that says anything else. A single peer-reviewed piece of research in an actionable form each and every month that then can get, get distributed right out to those docs. And one of the things that we actually just started this year was for the docs that are really high volume and the docs that really can't take that on, we've actually started to do that for some of our members as well. So there's an option for really a complete done for you, including some of those setup meeting phone calls. Oh, that's great. But that's not 100% necessary. That is for the docs that really, you know, really are stressed uh, in terms of time and staff resource. But my goal is always, and I've told, I know we talked about it. My goal is that the process, once you get up and running, should be an hour or two of staff time per month. And that's it. We want to make it efficient and we want to make sure that anybody that comes on with us at the evidence-based chiropractor feels confident. I talk to everybody that comes on. We do a half hour implementation call. So it's all about making sure that the doc knows a checklist of items on where to go, where to start and how to do it. And if there's any questions, we support it as much as possible. Now the catch is, is that the doc still needs to do something. You still need to get out the case notes, right? I can't do the case notes. And when you go to the meeting, make sure that you're going through in a process that's comfortable for you again, but learning about what that doc is doing and being able to get in there and, and kind of mix it up. I always say, even though I talk a lot on online and including right now, uh, I'm an introvert by nature and I'm more happy just watching things go. Uh, and I built the program myself. So you don't have to be a doc who's super high energy to make it happen. You just have to be a doc that's willing to get out there and willing to bridge the gap. Yeah. And I recorded a podcast in early February where I really talked about the resistance. I'm not sure if you've read that book, The uh, War of Art, but he talks about overcoming the resistance that we have to perform. And I think one of the biggest things that I'm trying to 
get chiropractors to understand is I think we're in a day and age now where we know what it takes to be a successful chiropractor. All of the free information's out there, all the Facebook groups and all the things you could ever want is out there of what chiropractors are doing to be successful. But one of the common ingredients is that is just actually doing stuff. This is not going to just come to you, right? Like you're not going to put up a sign in your door and open a practice and say, come on in, let's like, you know, 40 patients in a day. It's just not going to happen. So it's really on you as the chiropractor to, to be in action and do things that you know or you've seen work for other chiropractors. And that's one thing I like about your program is that it, it works, but you still, you have to do it, you know, like you, you definitely have to do it. Yeah, there has to be a commitment there. I tried to hang the shingle and it didn't work either. So, <laughs> so I'll just say from experience, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, it, you know, in terms of, of getting out there, you definitely have to be willing to put in a little bit of the work. I don't think it needs to be tedious. I don't think oh. it needs to be weird. I don't think it needs to be crap that you don't want to do or stuff that you feel fishy about doing. You should avoid all of that stuff, but you still need to do a certain modicum of work and you have to be willing to kind of get out there and ultimately get out of your comfort zone. If it's your first meeting, it's out of your comfort zone. You've never done it before. So you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone to experience that growth, but it doesn't need to be super weird. It doesn't need to be super intimidating. And it certainly doesn't need to be anything that you feel like is outside of your integrity. Those should be red flags that you should run the other way. And that fear, that little bit of a resistance, that little bit of challenge should be a good indication that you're actually on the right track. But we're all human, so it doesn't make it any It is true. And then one last thing, I know that um, a key component of marketing is marketing to your current patient base. And I think it's a, a great concept and idea to take research, make it digestible by the layperson and get it in front of them. So tell us a little bit about that. I know you're doing that with the smart chiropractor. So tell us how that's working as far as the doctor and the patient. So that's back to kind of that that B2C marketing, but I think it's a great concept. Yeah, thank you. It's completely different, yet explicitly the same. So basically, <laughs> this was the biggest thing. So with the evidence based chiropractor, the number one question I continually had from all members early on was, this is awesome, I'm bridging the gap, I love building these relationships, but I'd, I'd love to use this for my patients. Like, you know, and that was like a consistent question. So as time went on, I was like, this is really professional grade stuff and it's relationship based. You can utilize some of the tenants in conversations with your patients, but it's not the system for that. You know what I mean? This is focused really tightly on bridging the gap with other providers. And that's why we do such a damn good job is because that's its focus. Now, the smart chiropractor was basically taking a research-based model, similar concept, right? Using the research but content and context, taking the research and putting it in the content and putting it in the proper context for the patient, which is going to be different than a provider. So when I say that, what I mean is the smart chiropractor is about social media graphics. It's about weekly handouts to your patients. It's about weekly blog posts for your website. It's about Facebook live videos that I do for the members. And then we give the script if they want to do them themselves. So they have all of this content in the right context. It's also about each month giving a new reception area video. So they have fresh content and it always ties back to a monthly topic. So each month there's an overarching theme and then each week touches on a piece of it online and off. Online meaning your social media graphics, your blog posts, your Facebook live videos, and you know, kind of offline being your reception area videos, your, your handouts, et cetera. So really the goal of the smart chiropractor was to do a 360 include, you know, basically a 360 on your patients, being able to touch them, patients, prospects, community, however you want to define it, 
people that aren't yet patients, but make sure that you can have the content to get out there into your community at a patient's level of understanding, which is a lot more simplistic, but again, it's gotta be actionable. Like I always, I joke about it, but I probably even say the word wrong, but it's like, I don't even care about like 0.2% glucokinase going up. Like, what does that mean? Like, there's no relevance to anything. So does that mean that that makes you, you know, feel better? Does it make you feel worse? Does it mean you can jump higher? Does it mean you shrink, you shrink? I don't, you know, I don't know. So it's about putting it into the right context. So it's like, what is, the true benefit, not the feature. So we do the hard work, source the research, source the topics, and then take that content, distill it down into the proper context, and then give it to all the docs. So in a nutshell, that's the smart chiropractor. I think the docs have been doing, the response has been super good. Docs have been doing great with it. Uh, Certainly, there's a lot of products that are awesome out there for the B2C space, but we think that we have a really good niche as far as being research-based, being really what I would say is tight to it, mm-hmm. yet still having fun with it. And there's a lot of docs out there that I know other products, other services, just don't speak with them at a level that they're 100% comfortable with. So we've found this to be very successful for our docs. Perfect. Thank you so much for clearing that up and giving us some information on encompassing your whole community with really valuable research. So last question is, how can our audience find you? Yep. I'm really easy to find. So you can find me at jefflangmade.com, drjefflangmade.com, or the evidencebasedchiropractor.com. So those are all the easiest places. I'm all over the place. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, you know, you name it, you can find me. I always warn everybody, if you start following me, I'm going to follow you around the internet because that's how the marketing game works. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You're doing a great job and thank you. And I'll be seeing you in June in Kansas City. Sounds great. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show with Dr. Kevin Christie. Tune in next week for another episode that will enhance your marketing, business, and practice growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Christie's Modern Desk Jockey podcast and share with your desk-sitting patients. In the Modern Desk Jockey, Dr. Christie provides health and wellness best practices from some of the leading experts in the corporate wellness industry. Remember, chiropractic practice isn't easy, but it shouldn't be overwhelming. Keep leveling up.